0: Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. First of all, let's bring on CBS News reporter Wendy Gillette for a couple of minutes uh, down in the U.S. Uh, where, uh, Wendy, first of all, good afternoon. Thanks for doing this. Hey, sure. Uh, in the U.S., obviously big country, um, and many challenges getting kids back to school as we here in Winnipeg. manitoba learned today how the back to school will look here tell us about what's happening in some areas of your country
1: well today new york city mayor bill de blasio had announced that there are going to be certified nurses in every public school building to try to keep kids safe when schools reopen he says they're trying to take every precaution and they're working with health and hospitals to make sure there's enough nurses there's a lot of public schools In New York City, this is the biggest uh, school system in uh, the country with uh, some over 1.1 million of public school students. And at this point, uh, de Blasio has not said exactly when students will go back to school. The uh, current date is around September 10th, but he hasn't set that exactly and said yes students will go back at that date but that was the current date that students were supposed to go back at this point he's just said that most students will go back in a blended form probably Uh, so that means some going to school at least some days of the week so that's what we know from de Blasio at this point it's getting a lot of pushback from principals and uh, unions here which are very powerful uh, the principal's union and uh, teacher's union have said they want to push back the start of the school year and that they do not feel comfortable going back to school right now and that they do not feel comfortable going into the classroom at this point, even though New York City has uh, one of the lowest infection rates in the country.
0: Yeah, and we've had very low numbers here, although we've had a spike of late. And I'll get to some of the pushback that I'm getting uh, from listeners. Not much support but that I'm hearing uh, for this plan here. Uh, quite a bit of pushback. You mentioned New York, and then in places like New Jersey, they've now said that they will allow districts to offer all virtual learning uh, as school gets going again. It, it really does depend on the number of cases, how bad the outbreaks are in the various jurisdictions down there, right? Eh?
1: Yeah, there's many communities that are offering all virtual, but it is dependent on where you are in the country because there are spots in the country that do have uh, high numbers of cases and they are still allowing kids to go back to school despite the high numbers. So it's not all dependent on uh, necessarily the, the case counts because they are going back to school in places like Georgia where they yeah. have high spikes right now. Um, And they are encountering some problems there, Uh, like the school district we had talked yesterday uh, that the picture went viral, the the crowded hallways picture that got a lot of attention and got a student uh, suspended. And uh, and then the principal ended up uh, getting a lot of uh, pushback for that and uh, uh, ended up uh, reversing that punishment because uh, the student was um, punished for essentially, you know, just. Showing people what it was like in the school. And then just a few days later, there was a spike in that school. So, you know, the the, the hallways were so crowded and Mm. she showed that. And then uh, and then there was a spike. I think it's it was up to six students and three staff members. And now the school's closed down for several days.
0: You and I talked, too, about masks and how controversial they are down there. Uh, Same here, and as we found out today, uh, grades 5 to 12 will have to wear a mask on a bus, but 5 to 12 won't necessarily have to wear a mask in class. It's being strongly recommended that they wear a mask, but I guess they still have the option of not wearing a, a mask. Are you seeing the mask issue on the school front down there as well?
1: Yeah, most of the districts that are going back in person, the masks are mandatory for all ages. That is pretty universal of what we're seeing. So there isn't that age um, discrimination for masks. It's If you're going to school in person, the kids are wearing masks, no matter their age.
0: All right, Wendy, thanks a lot for this. Really appreciate it. Sure. Um, Filmmaker Sean Garrity. Sean, good afternoon. Good afternoon great to have you on again thanks for doing this oh no thanks for having me man i think when we talked last time uh the pandemic had just begun and we were talking about your new movie i propose we never see each other again after tonight what's the deal with it the pandemic continues how are we going to get a chance to see this well
2: you're right at the time we had a premiere slated for March the 20th, and as you may recall, on March the 17th, Cineplex closed down all of their cinemas, uh, so we, we narrowly nice. missed that one. Um, but now the cinemas are back up again, and they, they have a plan for social distancing and, you know, scrubbing down the theaters between shows and people wearing masks and every second row is empty, so there's no one in front of you, no one behind you, and people are sitting four seats apart or whatever. So I think there's a sense for people who are comfortable with that uh to come out and, and see films and certainly you know a lot of the people that i've talked to it feels like it's kind of 60 40 people in terms of like yeah it's still not comfortable with that and other people are like yeah you know if the uh, medical uh, advisors for the government say that's safe then i'm good with that and they're coming so audiences mm-hmm. won't be as big as we had hoped but you know we can only fit 25 percent of them in the theater anyway so should all work
0: out yeah. Hey, um, is this a, this movie was filmed in Winnipeg? And we'll get to all the Winnipeg angles here, and there are many. Uh, is this a, a movie that you should see on the big screen? And I ask that because I've seen some footage from it, mm-hmm. and it's just great Winnipeg shots, eh? We we
2: really wanted to focus on showcasing a lot of, you know, I guess I wanted to focus on a lot of what I find really beautiful about Winnipeg. So we do have some really grand vistas of. Uh, you know the, the the snow maze south of the city, and some big beautiful shots of Exchange with the snow slowly falling. And uh, yeah, I I really kind of went to town on a lot of what I really love about the city visually. So certainly, I like it better on the
0: big screen. Hmm. And why was Winnipeg such an important setting for this movie? It's uh, I, I guess it's a rom com, eh? But it's but it's a Sean Garrity rom com. <laughs>
2: That's right. And so, you know, I moved back to uh, Winnipeg from Toronto a couple years ago. I was out there making, actually, most of the movies that I shot while I was living in Toronto, I shot here. But then we'd post them in Toronto. But when I moved back, you know, you never love Winnipeg as much as you do when you come back to Winnipeg from somewhere else. Um, And so I was flooded with this sense of like, oh, all these places that I love here, and I really want to make a movie that kind of encapsulates that. And and I wanted to make a movie that was also about, you know, in that context, um, kind of young love, like, like not two 45-year-olds falling in love, uh, but, you know, two 22-year-olds and all of the kind of intense infatuation that comes along with that kind of love and how you can kind of fall for each other and have so much fun. And it's lots of laughs and lots of energy. And then, you know, neither mm-hmm. of you suspect the deep stuff kind of unseen wells up underneath that.
0: Yeah, it's great. Uh, I haven't seen the whole thing, but I've seen bits and pieces of it, and I can't wait to see the whole thing. Uh, let me play a clip here. Uh, so basically, it's a Mennonite boy and a Filipino girl, and here's the clip. Moving in together. Yeah, I've decided to move in with
1: Simon. What? Uh, do, do you know this guy? Kailang bakayinagita nitu? It's been a while. We've been dating for it's a while. It's been a while, you would a say while, that. Iris. Arthur? Ito, ralikanga dito ka Talk to your dog. Grabby, ano patong meron na namang. Busy tayo. We're so busy with the social, and here goes your daughter saying. She's moving with Simon. I don't even know. Kusino tong Simon. Do you know Simon? Simon, No. Alam mo anak. Nakakahia. Ma? What will they say? What will our friends say? Grabby, we're I... Catholic. Tapos ganyan na lang, biglan na lang, meron ka na namang papakilalang lalaki. I'm 23. 23? You didn't say before. When you got married with this bon and then you got this divorce. Oh my God! I don't know what to say.
0: You know, uh, Sean, a lot of people will recognize uh, the actors and actresses in this, and I guess uh, the lead female actress. Yeah, tell tell the challenges uh, filming this movie over three months because she was doing a play at the same time. That's crazy. That's right, and and uh, we we had to kind
2: of work around her schedule because she would not quit the play, um, which you know, good on her. I tried to convince her that she should uh, step away to be in a film instead, and she was like, nope, I gave my word, I will not leave that play. So we had to kind of shoot around her availability. I'm really glad that you you played that clip because one of the things that I also enjoyed with her and with her family when we were making the film was capturing that kind of. Taglish, like not Tagalog, not English, that kind of mix mm. that you find in so many homes, yeah. not only in Winnipeg, but in Canada, not only with Tagalog, but with, you know, Hungarian and Chinese and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually left the film untitled or unsubtitled on purpose because I, I love the sense of kind of getting most of what's going on without understanding exactly every word. Mm-hmm. It comes across in the actor's intention and the way that mother character, Mitus Malari, she masterfully kind of just mixes the two. Like, in the course of a sentence, she'll start the sentence in English and switch to Tagalog and finish yeah. off in English. So much fun.
0: Yeah. Very, uh, and very authentic, you know? And and it's authentic at that level, but at other levels, too. Like, if you're a Winnipegger, you're going to watch this movie, and it feels very Winnipeg. I think Winnipeggers might enjoy this film more than anybody else, or maybe somebody elsewhere might love it but not know why. Do you understand? Oh,
2: yeah. Well, and I think there's a couple of jokes that I put in the movie that when we were reviewing the cuts, we were like, oh, is, is that going to work for anybody who's not from Winnipeg? Like, there's a couple in there that are really just for us, just for the home crowd.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know what I've been noticing is uh, I have been streaming. Uh, I have not been uh, to a theater, uh, even though a few are open here in Winnipeg again. I've not been back to a theater yet in, what, five or six months, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, my wife and I have been uh the streaming more canadian movies more canadian content has been showing up on the various screens that we watch has this pandemic has covid19 in a weird way been beneficial for canadian and you're a winnipeg filmmaker canadian filmmakers like you has it given you new opportunities that maybe weren't there before because hollywood's kind of shut down actually
2: for theatrical it absolutely has and so we're in a situation now where we're opening at McGilvery, which you know really wasn't a theater that was open to me for my previous films because they pretty much played exclusively Hollywood Fair. Um, and I was talking to my distributor, Mongrel Media, and saying, you know, do you think we could get a second screen at Winnipeg? Do you think we could maybe get the North Gate? Um, and normally that would just be not a non-starter, but. They said, well, let me ask. Sure. I mean, maybe they'll, maybe they'll go for it. So there's a number of places, and the Northgate isn't confirmed for us yet. They're, they're still talking about it. But they're very open to playing a Canadian film on two screens, three screens in a bigger city, which is unheard of. We, we nev- Canadian films never get more than one screen. Um, and the reason is simply that Hollywood just – is not, there's nothing else coming out. I mean, you, know, you can watch this
0: film or you can watch a, a DVD of
2: Pluto Nash, I
0: guess. Mm-hmm. yeah so uh when can we see it at McGilvery, and we'll we'll wait for word on the other theater as well uh but when can people see that at mcgillivray uh we're opening on uh,
2: august 21st at mcgillivray uh,
0: which is uh next
2: friday yep. and uh, they are socially distanced uh screenings uh I, I if you if you forget to bring your mask they have them there um, and uh, we're also talking to the Morden Stardust Drive-In about playing there on ah. the first weekend in September um, because our Mennonite boy, our, our lead Mennonite character, uh, comes from Morden in the story, and there is a little section in the third act where we have a couple scenes there. We went out to shoot there in the library and on the streets and stuff, so we're hoping people will come out and check that out too.
0: And that's confirmed, eh? The first weekend, uh, say the date again for, for Morden? Uh, September 4th.
2: Uh, pending absolute confirmation but the people who run this podcast were like, yeah, sounds good let us just do a formality double check
0: Yeah, Sean, you know what I really appreciate you staying in touch with me you know, we by chance did an interview like this several years ago and you always stay in touch and I really appreciate it and I hope people go and check this out Um, A lot of people will know you probably best for my awkward sexual uh, adventure, but blood pressure. You've had so many great uh, Borealis, so many great movies, and this one's uh, another great one, and I really hope people check it out, and I I can't wait to see it. I propose we never see each other again after tonight. Sean Garrity, thank you. Thank you, sir. It's Carolyn Klassen from Conexus Counseling. Carolyn, good afternoon.
3: Hey, Hal, how are you?
0: Excellent. Thank you for doing this. Appreciate it. So the big announcement from the province today: uh, kids in uh, kids are going back to school September eighth. That date does not change. Uh, we now know that kids in grades five to twelve, uh, masks strongly recommended, not mandatory in the classroom, uh, but masks are mandatory for kids on buses in grades. Five to twelve, and you've got parents, mums and dads on both sides of this. Some say good, didn't want masks to be mandatory in the classroom, and you got others saying, "Well, one gentleman said I'm thinking of taking a leave of absence and uh, homeschooling my kids because I don't want to send them back to school when masks aren't mandatory." Um, listen, people are going to have their own opinions about this, and we've got the politicians and the health professionals, uh, you, know, you know, handling that part of it. But I, I did want to ask you about the fear and i got a text message from somebody uh here at 204-780-6868 and i'll read this and then you uh react to it um the person says "Troy says, how regarding masks in school i think the fear around it is much more harmful to these kids than covid19 or mask uh, mask wearing (laughs) quit fear-mongering our kids is Troy on to something there? Is is—is all of this, this discussion and some moms and dads saying should be mandatory, others saying good, they're not, is this causing problems for our kids?
3: Well, I certainly think, um, as you can imagine, any kid, when the grown-ups are fighting around them and over them and about them, it's stressful for children. And um, I know sometimes we're talking about high schoolers, and so they would like to not think of themselves as children, but they are our children and they're not full adults yet, and uh, we're responsible for them. I think we have to figure out how to buffer kids from the stress of the grown-ups arguing about what's best for them, uh, because that for certain is its own stress. I'm hoping that the kids will be able to see that some of our distress around masks is um, really that anxiety and fear. If you peel back that anxiety and fear, what really is underneath is love and care. We want the best for our kids, and we know that expecting some kids to wear masks, knowing that I was at uh, getting my car fixed yesterday and I wore my mask for about two and a half hours straight while I was in the dealership waiting for the car to get fixed. By the end of it, I had a slight headache. I found it stressful. It's not easy wearing a mask, um, and I can imagine... If I was a teenager, and teenagers are by nature kind of willing to take risks, kind of believing they're invulnerable, typically kids, you know, they're more risk to make decisions that expose themselves to high-risk behaviors, um, that some of them aren't going to find masks all that necessary because part of the features of, feature of being a teen is feeling like bad stuff only happens to other people. It doesn't happen to me, and so I think it is a tension that we all feel, and the closer we're getting to September, the more we all feel it.
0: Yeah. I I kind of think the easier decision here, and listen, you know, none of this is easy, but I think the easier decision would be make them mandatory, and then everybody has to wear them. I, because I personally believe that the masks, and you can argue about how effective they are, but I believe they slow the spread of the virus to some degree. I'll leave it at that. Um, but I do worry maybe even more than the virus. I worry about the peer pressure, the teasing, the bullying. You're not wearing a mask. You are wearing a mask. You're wearing a mask. The teacher's wearing a mask, and I'm not because my mom and dad don't want me to and the problems that all that can cause.
3: Well, and I think when masks are strongly recommended but not mandatory, what that does is now brings decision-making and judgment into it. Like, I'll use my own best judgment, but I'll also then be free to use my judgment to judge you if you make a different decision than I do. And that's where we are worried because we're all acutely aware of how... um, how dangerous high school is in terms of people's spirits. And so often I think just about every adult has an experience of being shunned or ridiculed as somebody in school. And we all remember how much we hate that feeling and we don't want that for our children. Uh, And so I think we're going to have to figure out how to manage that and how to really use this as an opportunity to talk about how to support people who make different decisions than we do, how not to have people feel small or awful um, how not to use this as an opportunity to make somebody who thinks differently than you do to make fun of them or to bully them or to have them go away feeling like they hate school, beca- not because of the virus, but because of what other people did or how people made them feel. We've got, This can be a teaching opportunity where we learn to how to be more welcoming and how to be more inclusive with people who are different than we are.
0: We'll let the, the health officials and the politicians make the decisions about whether or not the kids are going back, and they've decided the kids are going back, and whether or not they, they need to wear a mask or not. Speak to me about the importance of kids who've had five or six months of abnormal now. How important is it that they get back to some kind of normal?
3: Well, my tagline that I, you probably get bored by me saying is that we are wired for connection. We need each other, and we need families for sure. But we also need friends for sure and a normal part of a child's development is to be silly and playful with their peers. And so I think over the last months, people were missing that. Kids are eager to get back to that. Parents are eager for their kids to have that. I don't think it was ever designed that parents should be their child's only playmates. We enjoy playing with people and spending time with people our own age. Um, and I think the challenge is to figure out how to do that when we're really aware that the normal silly and playfulness of children is to be wrestling or, you know, doing all sorts of things that involve physical contact, and now children may have to play with each other differently. They're going to have to get used to what that looks like, but we all want to figure out how best children can be do the normal things that children do and how to make that most sustainable, and so I'm all on board for Figuring out how we can have kids being able to return to something normal like school and to do it in a way that feels abnormal but will actually make it more sustainable. So, if children, if we can figure out how to have children embrace some of the weird things about physical distancing that feel awkward, uncomfortable, and really, really hard for a kid to embrace and to remember, if we can figure out how to have them do that and be able to have schools stay open or stay open longer. Then we have made it more sustainable for children, which is what we all, I think, really want because what's good for kids is good for their parents.
0: At Connexus Counseling, you talk to parents, moms and dads, couples, kids, you talk to families. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling and a sense that the kids are better at all this than we are, than the adults. Am I right? Am I onto something there? Because it seems like they're more resilient, more able to adapt than we are. I, I, I'm giving them more credit than some experts I've, I've read and heard from that say kids are, are really having a hard time. I think they're doing better than we are.
3: Well, kids go to school to learn, and the reason why they go to learn is because they recognize that they need to learn things. Children are, tend to be highly teachable. Uh, they take their cues from the grown-ups, and so I think they panic as much as the grown-ups panic, and they understand from the grown-ups what needs to happen in order for them to feel safe. And I remember sending... There was one time when my child was in grade one, and by accident, I shaved a strip. I was trying to give him a buzz cut after his long winter haircut, and I accidentally (laughs) shaved him bald down a strip. And he was embarrassed and horrified that he had this bald stripe down his head. And so I sent a note to the teacher the next day, and I said, can my son wear a baseball cap in class? I know it's not officially allowed, but could you extend us this grace for a reason? And she grabbed all the kids in and she says, this is the reason why this child is going to be wearing a cap on his head and we're not going to make fun of him and we're going to love him and we're not going to knock it off. We're just going to make it not that big of a deal. And he came home at the end of the day and kind of bounced off the bus saying – Kids, I was an object lesson for the class, and they all were really respectful, and I actually feel really special because of how they all knew they needed to be kind to me, and I think that was a beautiful, Mm. teachable moment for my son's class about how to embrace a difference that normally isn't allowed but now is really important, Um, and it just to me outlined how teachable children are and how we can have our children understand what's important and they can be a part of a team where together we're keeping this virus at bay as much as possible and we've enlisted their help. Children love to help.
0: Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find
1: your favorite podcasts.